Hi, and welcome to the second of a four-part episode of The Networks. I'm Gareth Spence. If you heard our previous show, you'll already know that I'm at Adver's London Symposium. In the first episode, Christoph Glinger cast a glance into the future to see what networks will look like in 2030. In today's show, we're focusing on the development of open optical networks. Let's join Steve Pentecost live on stage. So what are the next steps in optical networking? So we've got two sides of things. We've got the technology side and we've got the operator side. So deployed line systems or OLS, open line systems, some people call it optical line systems, I like to call it open, it's a long-term asset. There's very few changes that have happened in the EDFER infrastructure since I used to design them a million years ago. Okay, we've got slightly better performance, we've got better gain tilt, we've got a few bits and pieces, but fundamentally, Airbnb doped amplifiers have remained the same for the last you know, 20 plus years. So it's a long-term asset. We need to make sure we get the most out of the asset but we still need to be able to support bandwidth growth. And unfortunately for you guys, the service revenues per bit are decreasing. What have we got to help us change things? So we've got some interesting evolution. So the evolution of coherence or DSP technologies that basically digitize networks, getting rid of the issues associated with nonlinear effects, the issues associated with chromatic dispersion, moving towards a world of pluggables where... You know, I remember in the late 90s, Cisco really trying to put uh, WDM optics into routers was very difficult. Now you look at um, trying to maintain faceplate densities. We've got pluggables, we've got you know, DCOs, we've got QSFP28 devices with WDM interfaces that can be used in the system. We've got emerging 400 gigabit Ethernet technologies. We just heard about that. Some very interesting stuff moving along. And then what has happened in the optical layer is some flexibility, but not on the Airbium side of things, not on the amplifier side of things, but some of the Rodham technologies that allow this fundamental flexibility. And it's cool, you can route anything to anything, but you need some really smart software to make sure you do things properly. What does that mean? It means we've got some innovation cycles from a technology perspective, and we've got some infrastructure that we want to make the most out of. So disaggregation, removing the line system from the terminals. It's really the way forward. So we scale network capacity, and that has to happen on both greenfield, so stuff that we're putting out there now has to be able to support alien wavelengths, and brownfield, so stuff that's already in existence. We have to be able to put our terminals, we have to be able to get our solutions, whether it be our Terraflex or uh, our Quadflex solutions, we have to make them work on existing systems so we can basically improve the the long-term Uh, outlook and cost per bit. So really an open world providing uh, scalable networking. Now you probably heard Steve mention open networking there and this is really a key topic for ADVA. Let's rejoin Steve as he talks about what open actually means. Open means we have to be flexible. We have to support, I mean in this little uh, diagram here I'm showing, you know, we need laneways that fit the right sort of traffic. We don't want tools. We want solutions that are compatible with different sorts of traffic here. So we're showing trucks, we're showing regular cars, we're showing motorcycles, fully flexible, no tolls. You know, we can uh, constrain traffic. We need to make sure we can support traffic, but we still need control. Roadways don't work if we don't have controls in there. So we need all this flexibility in order to be open. I hope there was some good information for you on Adver's approach to openness. But what does real open networking involve? As you might have guessed, Steve has some insight on this. So what is the world of open networking? If we look at it from an an open line system, like I just mentioned, we need 
no blocking, no throttling, no paid prioritization. So we're calling it net neutrality. We want to be able to support everything on our open line systems and also support spectrum services. So we can support chunks of bandwidth, not just individual wavelengths. In order to do that, it's all well and good to have the hardware, but you need the software smarts to be able to do that. So you need to have standardized open APIs. And that's what we've been working really hard in the last few years on, working with some of our customers and partners to make sure that we support standards, open config standards, uh, to be able to manage these things. So common protocols and models. We want to minimize, we want to create ecosystems. We want to minimize proprietary implementations to truly make our solutions uh, open and also be able to manage those innovations. If you, there was a slide I was going to put in here, but we were short of time, where it shows the life cycle of the line systems. We can say, you know, the Airbnb systems are maybe 10, 15 years, no real changes. If you look at the innovation cycles on the endpoints, you just talked about 400 gigs. You're probably only doing 100 gigs like a couple of years ago. The innovation is so fast, we can't afford to lose that investment in the line system. So it's really important that we do this, uh, we manage innovations. In order to do that, we need to have interoperability. It sounds easy, but it's actually quite complex. We have a large group of people in Atlanta who's responsible for making sure that these systems work. It's not just a case of plugging everything in. You really need to make sure you support all these different flexible signals, these different flexible modulation formats, these different baud rates. We need to be able to monitor things. In the old days, if you had a closed system, it didn't matter you couldn't monitor things in the line system because guess what? You, you control the endpoints and you could see the FEC, you could see the distortion that was happening in the system, you could see the optical spectrum. Well, guess what? You can't now. So we need to have some monitoring capabilities and we need to be able to manage the reach. So it's not just a design philosophy, it's a feature set. And we've been very successful in pushing our open architectures uh, to, the, to our customer bases. I'd like to take this discussion a little further now and explore what it means to have an open line system. What does it take to, to get and to have an open line system? So it's okay having the hardware, as I said, but you need to be able to program. You need programmability. We call it network neutrality. We need to be able to support everything. And our networks do. We've got systems in the field carrying traffic from everybody's boxes. So we're used to it, we have the design fields, we're, we're fully neutral, we make sure that everything works, and like I say, we've got a group of guys that are responsible to make sure that we have the design tools to be able to support a wave, wave server, for example, over an advert or less. So network neutrality is key. Uh, performance, so GOSNR, I've got a slide a little bit later. What's GOSNR? It's generalized OSNR. So in the optical domain, we talk about optical signal-to-noise ratio. This is just generalized, it helps us pull in some of the nonlinear impairments, pull in other bits and pieces and come up with one number that makes it a little easier just to manage different wavelengths. Flexibility. We have to be able to support everybody's systems from a simple point to point. I've put a core diagram here, but from a simple point to point all the way up to a CDC flex grade architecture. And the reason I like the adverse solution and the solutions we've got is kind of like a a Lego box approach, and I, I like Lego. I play a Lego with my kids quite a lot. And it's kind of cool, you can pull whatever block you need and make whatever you need. And that's very much like the solutions that we've got. You know, we adapt to whatever bits and pieces people need. We don't force iron work down people's throats. You have to have this solution. It's, you want FlexGrid? That's cool. You don't want FlexGrid? That's good. And so we can build networks and we can build solutions based on our customer demands rather than the solutions that we want to force. So that's very important, flexibility. 
and I mentioned it before, visibility. If you don't have a way of managing and monitoring and understanding that the systems, that the endpoints are working properly, then you don't really have an open line system. And that's where a lot of effort has gone in the last few years to make sure that we can really manage and monitor other people's wavelengths without basically knowing what's going on at the endpoints. So investment protection, lowest, no locking, and full interoperability. So GeoSNR, this general OSNR concept. So a higher GeoSNR, more bits per symbol, lowest cost per bit. So what do we do to make sure that we can provide the best performance in a system? So we have integrated amplifiers. So we design our amplifiers ourselves. That is a real, that's a really important innovation engine that we have inside the company. A great group of guys that can really make sure that we've got the right solutions. Optimizing the power density because you need different power densities for different QAM formats, different modulation formats, if you will. Integrated optical uh, OSC, so um, supervisory uh, optical time domain reflectometry, um, density and simplicity. So really integrating uh, elements in there to make sure that the, um, the solution will work. We optimize the Rodum networking. If you need Rodum, low loss add drop, flex grid, uh, everything that you need to support whatever line rate. And then, I'll mention it again, even though I'm not a software guy, none of it works without software. None of it works without the smarts to automate and make sure that you can actually manage this, optimize the links, control the links, gain flatten the links, and adjust the links as you add things. So the hardware by itself is, is not without having that software. And I think that's the big difference that we've got in the company because we've been doing it so long, we've got a lot of experience in there. Okay, that's a wrap for the second episode here at the London Symposium. On the next show, we're going to hear Prace and Pate talk about NFV. If you'd like to know more about any of the topics that were discussed on this or any of our previous shows, please email me at thenetworks at adver.com. Thanks for listening.